This moment in American history is one of the best opportunities for Christians to make a difference. In the past, we operated at an 18% gray world that was neither hot nor cold. It's so blended together that you couldn't even, you couldn't even distinguish the, the wolves from the sheep, the good from the bad. But today, it's darker than at any time in our lives. And that's why I say this is our time to shine. The darker the night, the brighter the light. This moment is our time But here's the problem. The disappointment is too deep for too many of our brothers and sisters, and their frustration is too intense. And I get it. I have had many conversations over the past year about this very thing, the demise of America, or however you want to describe it. And people who love our country, people who love our conservative country— our Christian country as it used to be, but it's not that any longer. Many of us who are over 40 years of age, and it's usually within that demographic that struggles the most because we lived in a different America, but we don't live in that America anymore. Our children, the millennials, they were born in a different timeline. They don't understand our perspective. They can't, just like I can't understand the greatest generation I wasn't reared in the 40s. I didn't go through the Depression. I didn't live in the 50s. I was born in 1959, but I didn't live in the 50s. I don't understand their perspective. I understand mine. But the millennials do not have the same anxiety, don't have the same frustration as far as the deterioration of America. But because I've had so many conversations, even had conversations today, more than one, And because I've had these talks with people, they are really struggling. And one person actually asked me if I would do some writing. Would I speak to what is going on right before our eyes? And that's why I'm doing this podcast. And so welcome to Life Over Coffee podcast. This is Rick Thomas. This is episode 290. I titled the podcast, Learning How to Respond to a World You Don't Like Anymore. The title speaks for itself, and as I've already laid out for you, there's a lot of our brothers and sisters who are struggling. And by the way, I am struggling too. I have not risen above this. I am no different from any other struggler about what is going on in our country. It it is a struggle. I see it. I understand it. And it's a problem, and I don't see rectification as far as going back to anything that we had in the past. It is a new day. And because most of us intuitively know that, then we have to come to terms with that. And so this podcast, what I want to address here is two people. The person who is struggling, really either on one side frustrated or the other side, uh, they're covered up with fear and anxiety and worry. I'm not preaching at you at all. I totally, totally, completely understand that. And then for those of you who are caring for others, those who are struggling, and maybe you are struggling as well, but you're also uh, are positioned in such a place to where you can care for other people. And so this podcast is for both groups, the disciple makers and then those who are really just having a hard time with what is going on in our country. There is no question that the night is dark. You can look at nearly any negative indicator that you can think of, and everything is higher than it has ever been. Virtually everything. The suicide rates in America are higher. They're exponential. Sexual confusion, 
Well, that's at an all-time high. And I've talked about this with Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage. I've talked about that in other podcasts. I, I would encourage you to either read the book or, or listen to the audio book, and it will be so helpful uh, to be able to give some insight as to the dynamics of what's going on in, in the younger, teen, in the teenagers, many teenagers' lives. But sexual confusion is higher. We've had more requests uh, for counseling, uh, how to counsel this person, the gay person, the whatever the sexual orientation person is, the non-gender person is. We've had more of those questions in the past year than any time in our, in our ministry. Familial dysfunction is higher. Political homelessness is higher. Political homelessness is a person who no, no longer feels like they are a part of their historical party, whether it's Republican or Democrat, uh, for reasons they just don't want to associate with their, their party. There's conservatives who will die conservatives, but they're struggling with where the Republican Party is, and then there are Democrats who will die uh, Democrats, but yet they have seen that even the Democrats have moved farther left than they had ever anticipated and ever wanted. And so they're in this place of political homelessness. And then drug use and medication usage is also at an all-time high. As I said, that you can look at nearly any negative indicator that you can think of, and they are higher than they have ever been. And that's why I say that the darker the night, the brighter the light. And as negative as this is, this moment in American history is one of the best opportunities for Christians to make a difference. This country is not the America of the greatest generation it's just not that generation that, that went the war, and it didn't matter what your political ideology was. It, it did not matter. I mean, everybody did their part. I mean, men, women, and children, everybody came together. They set their preferences aside because they believed in this idea of America, and they wanted it to, to stay put and to move forward. And they did that. They did exactly that. But our country today is regressing. We're not moving forward any longer. We are moving backwards. And if you think about it this way, we're actually regressing to where most of the world has been living for a long time. I've been thinking about that recently, that America is actually the, the anomaly. And if you, we can be so, have such American tunnel vision that we can think that this is just the way it is. For those of you who have been to other countries, you know, every teenager that goes on a mission trip, you know, goes to the DR or wherever, and they come back and they just, wow, I just had no idea. I mean, I knew about it, but experiencing it was radically different. And we, our children have had the same thing, same experience in Peru and Mexico. And they come back and it's like, wow, this is different. We have a different experience. Well, they have been living that way for a long time. And by the way, I would encourage you that if you have friends in another country, if you have Christians, they love God and they have a, just a, a solid biblical worldview and they live in a country that doesn't have the freedoms that America has, which is virtually every other country in the world, that you talk to them. That you ask them how they do it, what works for them. I mean, they struggle, but their struggle is more silent. When I talk to them, they don't 
they don't have that frustration, that fear, or that anger. They have adapted to their culture, and they have learned how to live uh, in a culture that's not amenable to Christian values. And they do it very well, and they do it with joy and gratitude, and they're pushing forth the gospel message. Some of them can do it with more liberty, and others, quite frankly, are underground with the way they do it. But the hope of God is in their hearts. But there's a problem for us because we've never had that experience before. And it may be a good exercise for you if you do know that person, that individual. Uh, our friend Tappan and Denise, there have been missionaries in Sinaloa, of all places, for uh, several decades now, I believe. And uh, they were just in our home a few weeks back over, over Christmas, and we've been in their home and in Sinaloa, Alway. Uh, specifically, and we've had these conversations, and they are they are joy, joy-filled believers who just love God. But when you ride around the countryside, um, you see military police everywhere. The drug culture, well, that's the drug that's the drug capital of the world, and so they do that with joy. And so, if you know a believer in another country, I just appeal to you to spend some time with them. And if you are helping someone who is struggling, an American Christian, and they're struggling, there's several things that I want to share with you here, whether you're on the receiving end of these things or you will be applying these things to the folks that you're caring for. But one of the things that you have to know is that you have to understand, one, what is happening to you if you are struggling. And if you're helping somebody, you have to understand what is happening to your friends. And one of the words that applies here as far as what is happening to them is grief. And so what I would like for you to do is to think about what it is like to go through grief. Maybe you lost a parent or a child, a brother or a sister or a a close relative or a close friend. And if you have, you've gone through grief and you know what grief is like. Maybe you're grieving for someone who has not passed away, but for whatever the struggles are, you're just going through this heavy grief with them. And what I'm talking about is something dying. In America, from what it looks like today, it looks like it is dying. And when something dies, they go through grief. And that's why it's important. If you are struggling, part of what is is happening is you are grieving. And if you're helping somebody, what's happening to them, they are grieving. And the importance of that is that if you are caring for a person like this, you don't want to overcorrect them. Because in, in one sense, there is absolutely nothing that you can do to change them because you can't turn grief off. Grief is a process. And if you go in and and overcorrect them and confront them, I'm not saying that you withhold correction if you know them well enough and you have a relational bridge to them. You want to admonish them. You want to warn them. But just realize that as you are warning them, you're warning them in a context of a person who is grieving. And so what you want to do is you want to overlook. In most cases, you want to overlook as much as you can. You can do what Job's friends did in the beginning. Sit and listen. Sit and listen. And so care for them like you would a a grieving person. 
I've shared the story before when my friend Randy Smith came over to my house. Uh, It was within a week of my wife leaving in 1988, and I was walking around the house, Christian cursing, shoot, darn, heck, and so forth and so on. And I was banging my fist against the wall. I was just so, I was hurting so much. I was so frustrated. I was just so afraid. Fear had just gripped me. I was in so much disbelief. I was numb. And Randy came over and he just, he didn't say anything to me. He actually got down on his knees on the floor and started praying out loud. Never talked to me and just prayed out loud. There was nothing that Randy could say to me that was going to change me in that moment. I was in a deep pit of grief. And so basically, I said, sit and listen as a good response. He sat and he prayed. And to this day, 30 years later, I suppose, more than 30 years later, I remember that, and it's very fresh in my mind, and it's still encouraging. And so overlook as much as you can and sit and listen. Remember, you have to have hope for them. You see, if they are a Christian, then you know what Paul said in one six that what God has begun, he is going to complete. And so no matter where they are today, you can be confident and you can be hope-filled. What you don't want to do is you don't want to start worrying and get frustrated with them because they're in this tunnel of grief that they will not come out of for a specific amount of time. And so care for them like you would a grieving person. And then if you're going through this, I really want to appeal to you that you don't borrow future worry. And this is one of the greatest dangers. You remember what Jesus said, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We have enough trouble today. And so you don't want to go out to next week, next month, six months from now, or next year, and borrow worry and bring it back into your present tense so that you can worry about that too. Now, with that in mind, you have to learn how to capture your thoughts. And so when your mind starts running that future rabbit down, you got to stop running. Let it go. you got to capture that thought because if you don't, it will build up a stronghold in your mind. It will be a thought argument that's raised up against the knowledge of God, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, 5, and 6. And if that argument raises up in your mind and continues to spin on an endless loop tape, it will form a stronghold, and then it will own you, and you will be a worrier. And so you will have to fight to maintain your hope. By the way, If you want to read the best article that we have on our website on taking your thoughts captive, it's linked right here in these show notes. And so I would encourage you to click on it and spend a lot of time studying that article. And so as you care for others or care for yourself, grief and fear, you want to address those. And then there is grumbling and anger. This is the other side of the spectrum. And so you have the person who is just overcome by anxiety, and you want to care for them. But then you have the person who is grumbling, and they are angry. Now, both of those words are the same. Grumbling is anger. But do not grumble or do not complain. That is another form of 
of anger or another form of anger complaining is. You don't want to be those people sitting down at the general store on on Monday morning quarterbacking how they could have how the team could have done better. You don't want to be that Monday morning quarterback. And what I mean by that is that you're looking back on the game. And I've heard many Christians look back. And I hear this also from conservative podcasters. They talk about how things used to be and how things are now, and they compare those things. They're grumbling. They're just grumbling. Everybody knows how things used to be. Everybody knows how things are. And if we're standing around the water cooler, we're, we're, we're sitting on the porch and just grumbling about how bad things are, that in itself will become a habituation that will be a form of communication that that you don't want to do because if that habit forms, you're going to find yourself in, in a bad spot. And if you're listening uh, to that person, you don't want to overly commiserate about how things used to be. Don't jump in the swamp with them. And we talk about this often within our ministry, the difference between empathy and, and sympathy. Empathy is a bad word, and sympathy is a good word. Is, is two words that center on two different prepositions. Empathy, it centers on the preposition in, I-N. When you have empathy for someone, you, you jump in the swamp with them, and you both, you both die, and that's not good. Or you jump off the boat to rescue the drowning person, not good. Sympathy centers around the preposition with, you're with them, but you're not in with them. And so you stand outside holding onto a limb and you reach into the swamp and you pull them out. You stay on the boat and you throw them the life preserver tied to a rope and you pull them in. And so you want to be sympathetic, which connotes everything that you need to do for a person. You're being compassionate for them, but with for them, toward them, but you're also being courageous and competent. You're not courageous nor competent if you jump in the the uh, ocean with them. That's not courageous. That's that's foolish. It is unwise. It is unhelpful. You both drown. It's competent if you're sympathetic because you are throwing them a lifeline and you are pulling them out. So they feel your compassion. They know you're with them, but you're not going to jump in. And, and when people are, are grumbling and complaining, uh, you want to speak to that? You want to ask God to give you the, the wisdom to, to bring a cessation to that? Uh, to close that out, whether you walk away from it, whether you confront it, or uh, you change the subject and just let the conversation die out on its own. But you don't overly commiserate because then you will create this, this communication loop where everybody is grumbling and complaining. And if you hear this on podcast, which you will, they will be, what they're doing is just stating the obvious. Uh, they're just saying, well, they just did this, and this is wrong, and they did that, and that is wrong. There's an element of information there that's important, but there's another element where we're just regurgitating the obvious, and it's not good for one's soul. And some of you need to pull back 
uh, from your daily diet of consuming this bad information, the old adage, garbage in, garbage out. And if you're not thinking on those things that are pure, those things that are lovely, if you're not taking your thoughts captive, then you're going to become a person that you uh, will come to despise. And I would also appeal to you as well, don't take cheap shots at the other side. I saw something on one of the social media streams says, in one word, would you describe, and it's the the opposite, it's a public figure on the opposite side that, that everybody disdains. Well, that's a cheap shot. When you put on a social media post, describe in one word. So let me just put it this way. Describe... In one word, Joseph Stalin. Uh, describe in one word, Fidel Castro. Well, what do you expect? I mean, people are going to say lunatic, murderer, atheist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, that is a setup, and it baits people to do exactly what you want them to do, to, to speak in a, a way that doesn't build up, that really defeats uh, Ephesians uh, 4.29. I am not saying that you withhold being honest about what a corrupt person does, but if you're just throwing stuff out there and taking sh- cheap shots uh, at a person, that's unhelpful and unnecessary communication. All of this fits under the umbrella of grumbling and anger. And so as you deal with your grief and fear, and you really want some help in that, then I would encourage you, I've got a half a dozen, half a dozen articles here that will help you. I also have several articles here that will help you under the umbrella of grumbling and anger. And what should happen, and what I'm going to appeal to you to do, is to put off whatever these things are, whether it's fear and grief or grumbling or anger, and that you follow Paul's template in Ephesians 4, 24, to put off the old self. And that's what I've been talking about uh, for the last little bit, that you put off these things because it belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And there is a direct application to what is going on in our country and the way some people are embracing their former manner of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires. They're either swimming in fear and anxiety and grief or uh, they're running through grumbling and anger and they're perpetuating unnecessary communication and it's not redemptive. Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so I want to, if you have to, I'm making that appeal, you've got to put these things off. Now, if you need help doing that, then please reach out. We have free community forums. They're absolutely free to you. They really are. There is no catch. All you have to do is just ask your question. We would be glad to help you the best that we can. But here are some things that I want you to consider. One of those is very simple as far as advice is concerned, but you'll have to work in applying it, and that is practice gratitude. Gratitude is the antidote to grief. Now, I'm not talking about artificial gratitude. 
Dear God, I am grateful today because I'm supposed to be grateful. No, ask God to give you that heart of gratitude. It's, it's a thankfulness that is grounded in the gospel. Your greatest problem in life has been resolved at the cross, and that's not a cliche. That is the truth. And so you need to reorient your mind back to the gospel and ask God to give you a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. One of the things that you can do is share with a friend each day something that makes you thankful. It's a very basic thing, but create that kind of communication in your life. I'm not suggesting that you ignore what is going on or that you even, I'm not suggesting that you don't talk about it. You need to talk about it. We need to inform each other, but we need to do it with wisdom and grace. And so rather than commiserating about how things used to be, choose proactivity. If you spend your energy on what was or how things used to be or how things should be, you're not going to make a difference with how things are. And that is a big deal. This is our moment. And as hard as it is for me to get up off the mat, to move forward, even feel like you're running in mud because this is so hard, it is hard. And in proportion to how much you love your country and how things used to be, it's hard to accept what we have today. Think about the disciples. The disciples had an expectation of what life was going to be like for them. And then life turned as dark as it possibly could. Christ died. And they did what many of you are feeling right now. I'm not saying you're going to deny Christ, but I'm talking about the grief that they felt, the fear that they felt, and this, this convulsion of emotion that was going on in them. But they had to reorient their minds back to the gospel to get back on plan. To, to get back on track. And so you will have to do that. So my question is, who can you influence? Who can you influence with the gospel? That's how you put on. That's a part of how you renew your mind. That's a part of how you put off. Find your spot. Find that place where you can be that light, that influence, that encouragement. And you will have to encourage yourself in the Lord as you do this with others, as I have to take my soul to task as well. Maybe you can share a graphic with someone on a social media site that encourages them in Christ. Maybe you can talk to a soul. Maybe you can participate in your local church. Maybe you can build a ministry. Maybe you can encourage one individual. Another thing to consider, I would appeal to you to talk openly and honestly with your family. But talk from a position of hope because we are the victors, not a position of weakness or of defeat, but a, a, a position of victory because Christ is greater in us than all of the nonsense that's going on in our world. For some of you, you need to strategize about where you're building a ministry. You can't do sharecropping anymore, or you, you need to be very careful about sharecropping. And what I mean is you can't build a ministry on a platform that you don't own. If you don't own the property and you build a ministry out there, well, we, we know how that can go and how it may go uh, for many more of us in the future. And so you need to strategize. Be proactive. Think smart. I would encourage you to join forces and support organizations and ministries who are like-minded 
even if they are not Christians. Conservative people who are not Christians, but if, if we are going to maintain a conservative base upon which we can build a Christian message, then people who are balanced and conservative and they're making a dent in our culture, then maybe you should consider joining them or helping to support them in some way. I am appealing to you to be proactive. And I know how this is going to sound, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we, we would encourage you, I encourage you to support our ministry, that you help us to build a conservative foundation. We are shining the light. We're pushing the practical gospel of Christ around the world. This is our moment, and we have spent a lot of time, thousands of hours Thousands of hours, not just in the content that you hear. I mean, you have that in articles and videos and podcasts. It's all free. It's all out there. But we're doing so much more. And so I would encourage you to help support our team. We need to continue to build our team. And that, that takes finances. And we are in this warfare, and we're going to keep, keep moving on. But we can't do it without you. And I, I do understand it sounds like a... A shameful plug, but we're in a spot in our country where we need to come together. And if you believe in what we are doing, then I just appeal to you to uh, to help and support this work. Episode 290, learning how to respond to a world you don't like anymore. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.